When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Physicist Les Johnson with us. Serves as a principal investigator for NASA's first interplanetary solar sail space missions, near-Earth asteroid scout and solar cruiser. He also led research on various other advanced space propulsion technologies at the George C. Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. During his career at NASA, he served as the manager for the Space Science Programs and Projects Office and the In-Space Propulsion Technology Program. Les, welcome to the program with your great book, A Traveler's Guide to the Stars. I had fun reading it. Well, that's what every author wants to hear. Thank, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I want to get your reaction to the DART mission before we get into this, budging that asteroid. It seems to have been very successful. Well, first thing I have to say, though, whenever I'm being interviewed about anything related to my book, is anything I say is my personal opinion. I'm not here representing NASA. Sure. That that said, um, I thought it was exciting. Uh, You know, whenever you you look out and you look at hitting a a, a rock with a a dart you throw, (laughs) uh, at those speeds and distances, you've got to be impressed. And the capability to deflect an asteroid, hopefully, is not something we're going to need anytime soon. But, you know, looking back on it, we've had some close calls in the past, and uh, it's nice to know that capability is there if we need it. Absolutely. And what is the Solar Sail Space Mission Program? Well, solar sails are one of many advanced propulsion technologies I've worked on in my career, but a a solar sail is a way to move a spacecraft through space without using any fuel. Um, That's a, a big limiter for how we currently do all of our space missions. Most of them are limited in where we can go, how quickly we can get there, how long we can stay when we get there, by how much fuel you can carry on board. And for missions that, uh, right now anyway, as far as the technology goes, that are near the sun, like at the distance of Mars or closer, uh, you can use a large lightweight reflector, like a sail on a sailing ship, only it's uh, kind of a, it's aluminum, it looks like a silvered mirror. It's extremely thin. Uh, think about the thickness of a human hair, it looks like a big sheet of aluminum foil. And what that does is it reflects light. And as light reflects from it, it pushes on it. 
Um, it's not much of a push, but it's constant, and that constant push can be translated into speed. So you don't really realize it, but when you're outside during the day and the sun, sunlight's reflecting from you, those little photons don't have any rest mass, but they have momentum. It's sort of like little BBs bouncing off of you. And the Earth's gravity is much, much stronger. The wind currents are much, much more force. But when you get away from all that and you get out in space and you've got that relentless sun pushing on you, you can use that push as a way to propel your spacecraft, and that's what a solar sail does. Les, your book title, A Traveler's Guide to the Stars, kind of implies we're all going to get in spaceships one day and go traveling. Is that conceivable? It is absolutely conceivable, although I wouldn't count on it happening anytime soon, at least based on our current understanding of the laws of nature. But solar sails and their cousins, uh, laser sails, where you could have a big sail and, and get it to go faster than sunlight can propel it by, by shining extremely high-energy lasers on it, have the uh, capability, at least from a physics point of view, to carry a spacecraft pretty rapidly out of the solar system and on to the nearby stars. Um, th these, the, the technologies, and we can talk about whichever ones you'd like, there are several that, that nature looks like uh, will allow us to develop. We just don't know how to do the engineering yet. We've got a long way to go to take the fundamental physics, which says, you know, this might actually be possible to, wow, how do you build that? <laughs> and that's the phase we're in right now. We're taking the baby steps uh, toward the future. And so one of these days, yeah, I think our descendants will be able to do that. So you're saying a different propulsion system from what we know now, obviously. Absolutely. Chemical rockets are really good for getting off the ground. They have what's called a high thrust mass which means you get a lot of force out of them uh, very quickly, and that allows you to get out of the Earth's gravity well. Or let's say we have something on the moon, we want to launch it from the moon, you can get out of the gravity pretty easily. But they're terribly inefficient. Uh, there's a measure of the efficiency of a propulsion system. It's called the specific impulse. And I won't go into its derivation, but it's kind of the rocket scientist's equivalent to miles per gallon on a car. Uh, how far you can go on a charge on an electric car, or how many, you know, how many, how many miles you get per gallon of fuel. And uh, our chemical rockets have, have pretty low specific impulse. They're terribly inefficient. And what you need in order to, to get to the stars is you need a propulsion system that gives you as much push as possible per pound of propellant, which means it has to be very efficient. Ba so quick Go ahead. Borrowing a phrase from Star Trek, what will it take to get this warp speed? <laughs> well, unfortunately... From, from our current understanding of how nature works, doesn't look like uh, space warp, the Star Trek warp drive, is going to be possible. Now, I always have to give the caveat from, based on what we know now and what we understand. You know, if I were a physicist 100 years ago, uh, I might not think things are possible that are today because we've had the breakthrough in quantum mechanics and everything else since then. But warp drive, really, uh, it, it looks good in the mathematics. Uh, there are some interesting papers. A fellow named Alcubierre came up with a, a concept for a warp drive that looks really good until you uh, get down in the math and you figure out he needs something called negative mass. And we have no idea what that is. Uh, if somebody discovers it or figures out how to get to it, and that's not the same thing as antimatter, it's something negative mass, uh, then we won't have a warp drive. I, I wish we could. What other kinds of propulsion systems are viable less in the next well, if, 50 years, let's say? Yeah, in the next 50 years, to get us to the stars, I, I think we, can, we could think about sending a spacecraft much faster than Voyager. Uh, Voyager spacecraft were, spacecraft were launched in the 70s and have left the solar system, and if they were going in the right direction, 
they'd reach the nearest star in about 70,000 years, so they're not moving nearly fast enough. No. Um, so w- we could use uh, a- electric propulsion, electric rockets, which are about 10 times more efficient than chemical rockets. So you might get that trip time down to less than 10,000 years, but for you and me, that's still pretty darn slow. Um, I think if we had a crash program in uh, laser and solar sails, uh, and we built big lasers not on the Earth but out in deep space so people wouldn't think they were a weapon, um, then you might be able to launch a probe to Alpha Centauri that would have a trip time of less than a 1,000 years. Uh, but that would be a small robotic probe. It wouldn't be anything big enough for people yet. We're, we're a long way from that technology. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The excitement, though, is people, isn't it? Well, that's what gets people excited. That's right. Um, my, My experience... And I think the experience of space exploration in general is we want to send people to these places. We wanted to send people into orbit 
and we and and into space. But before we risked that, we sent robotic probes, uh, Sputnik and and Explorer. Uh, before we went to the moon and put people there, we sent the surveyors. Right now, we're sending robots to Mars. Eventually, we'll send people. So I think it'll be a kind of a two-step process, but actually going and having boots on the ground, people experiencing things for themselves, that's really, I think, deep down what a lot of us want to see. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to be that tourist uh, who goes out and, and is a part of exploring the universe, and I'd like to do it in person. Would you go? <laughs> the answer I'll give you is that depends. Um, if it was the capability of being a round trip, probably yes, if I could go as a tourist. I don't know if I'd have the guts to take a one-way trip to uncertain destinations right. that might not even be habitable. I, I, George, I, you know, I, I go out today, today here in, in Alabama. We had a beautiful blue sky, a little bit of rain, great temperature. I was out on my deck. It'd be a tough call to give that up forever. I, I love it. There's something very special, less about this planet. We need to protect it. And and that's one thing I want to say about uh, my vision for uh, the future of the human race and, and life on Earth in general, going to the stars. We shouldn't view that as escaping the Earth. We need to solve problems here on the home planet and and, and spread life throughout the universe. But we this is a special place, and we need to take care of it. Yeah, there's no question about it. We talk a lot about travel, space travel on this program, and one of the things that comes up quite a bit is bending space and time in order to get to where you have to go. It's, so we use an example, Les. Put, put a dot at the end of a, a piece of paper and put another dot on the opposite end and fold it over where the two dots hit. Can, we'll, can we ever get to that point where we travel like that? Now, I'll be the first person, as I've kind of hinted previously in this call, to, to, to not say anything unequivocally as forever being impossible. But I don't think we have a clue <laughs> how to do that today. I mean, there are some smart people out there that are looking at the challenges. Um, the, the Alcubierre warp drive is, is one thing that's not really doing what you just described. I think the closest thing that, that I can think of to what you described is the, the theory that you can have a have a, a black hole and a white hole create this passageway, a wormhole from one part of space-time to the next. And just appear. Uh, yeah. And, and just get there. But, you know, that's all theoretical. And uh, being someone who's in their day job has to translate theory into practice. If someone were to come to me and say, how do we build a, a way to do that? I would just scratch my head. I have no idea. How many exoplanets have we discovered so far outside of our solar well, system? Oh, wow. In, uh, over 5,000. 5,000? Wow. Over, wow, that's right. Yeah, there are a lot. And uh, what's exciting about that to me, I've been in this business for, for many years, is all those have been discovered really after 1992. That's Prior amazing. Prior to then, we had no direct evidence that there were any planets beyond the solar system. Now, planetary scientists really suspected there were, and those of us watching Star Trek knew there were. <laughs> um, but in reality, there was no good data to support that. And there's just been an explosion of, of uh, discovery of exoplanets and big ones, small ones, some that are in the habitable zone where you could have liquid water. Uh, there'll be no shortage of destinations if we develop a space drive. I was going to say, can we tell if there are any Earth-like planets there? Not really yet. I think there are uh, a lot of planets that are that are similar to Earth in size, that are located 
in a, at a distance from their parent star where they could have liquid water, like we have here on Earth, but to determine that they have an atmosphere that might be similar to ours, we don't really have the instrumentation yet to do that definitively. Now, we're getting close, and there are a lot of scientists who are proposing uh, new telescopes and new missions and new techniques to do, say, spectroscopy to determine, you know, if we can, maybe the atmospheric composition of some of the uh, planet's atmospheres out there. But at this time, we don't really know if there's, you know, Earth 2.0 or something similar to it out there. What are your thoughts, Les, on privatization of space? I think it's it's exciting. Well, it is exciting. And uh, w- one of the, the things that I think is, is, is lost as a, as a notion that uh, most governments, NASA, the Europeans, and otherwise, uh, have been using commercial companies to launch their robotic spacecraft for decades. Uh, the U.S. for NASA and DOD, starting in the mid to late 80s, started basically hiring private launch services uh, for, for taking their spacecraft up and stopped doing it themselves, with the exception of human spaceflight. Uh, until recently, that was pretty much the sole province of governments, but now that's being commercialized. So it's really a good transition uh, for, for low-Earth orbit and hopefully beyond and lets those of those of us who develop payloads concentrate on you know going where no one's gone before, right? Um, and and let the the private companies uh, take it and and make it more affordable. It's a great idea. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at one a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal, and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars Four is finally here, and this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.